Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you've heard, but there's one big, big news item uh, that I really, really want to talk about, and that's Connor Hellebuck to the New Jersey Devils. Sadly, that has not happened yet, <laughs> but trust me, it's going to happen soon. You know what has happened? Austin Matthews getting paid, and uh, it could really set the market for future NHL paydays. We'll talk about that. Of course, as everyone talks about, we'll talk about how it impacts the Maple Leafs and the league at large. Also, uh, the Edmonton Oilers uh, made a uh, lesser signing in terms of years, in terms of actual contract dollars. Um, but it's also a very significant signing, and it could lead to a significant payday for this certain player. Uh, also, uh, Alexis Lafreniere signing a bridge deal. Uh, will it benefit him in the long run? And the Professional Women's Hockey League has launched, and it is a big deal for women's hockey. We'll talk about that and other things in episode 377 of the Lace Em Up podcast, which starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. <clears throat> Toronto's core four uh, will have at least one member staying on board. That is Austin Matthews, and Agent 34 is bringing in the big bucks, Brett. Yep, uh, for sure. So it's uh, Austin Matthews. This, I, I mean, we teased this the last episode, but um, because this did happen before we recorded, but we figured we wanted to give the attention it deserves because um, we also hadn't covered Eric Carlson. So we're just doing some keep up and thank you hockey gods for not, it was a slow hockey news day, a week basically. So yeah, thank you for giving, yeah. not giving us more content to react to. Like exactly. we were, we were down bad. We were trying to catch up <laughs> as quick as we could. Exactly. So, so thank you for that. Um, but yes, uh, so Austin Matthews signs a four year deal. Sorry, Arizona fans. Um, 13.25 million uh, for four years, um, so that is pretty good. That now makes him the richest man in hockey now. I assume eventually once Connor McDavid uh, becomes a free agent, then uh, then he'll become the most expensive uh, or the richest man in hockey. Uh, but uh, but yeah, for right now, Austin Matthews is the richest man in hockey. Um, and then if you look at their cap situation, uh, they are, um, they have, um, they still have, you know, Tavares at 11 million for two more years. They have Mitch Marner for, uh, 10 million for two more years. Nylander, uh, they have him at 6.9 million, uh, but he's going to be a UFA next year. So he hasn't signed his extension, uh, just for, Remembrance Day, because I just realized this after looking at their cap friendly page. I'm like, oh right, this is for next year. Um, uh, Austin Matthews just had still is currently on a 11 million, 11.64 million um, right now, but he, it's going to be um, it's going to increase to 13.25 uh, next year. Um, and uh, so ultimately, that will mean that. Probably, I mean, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself from the, the questions that I'm about to ask you, Steve. But it seems very likely that this is the last year where Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and Willie Nylander are going to be on the same team. Um, and so the end of the core four is uh, reeling, basically. But we'll, we'll see. It's kind of like a last dance in its own way, even though three of those players are pretty, still pretty young. Um, in terms of Austin Matthews' stats right now, uh, what's funny is he kind of had a down year this le uh, this last season. However, he still had 40 goals, 45 assists, and 85 points in 74 games, which is really good. The reason why I said he had a down year was the, the previous year, he had 106 points, he had 60 goals, which is the first time anyone has ever had 60 goals. Um, in this, uh, you know, post-lockout era, of course, Wayne Gretzky did it all the time, but um, but that that made Austin Matthews get the Hart Trophy winner over 
Connor McDavid. Uh, you also won the the Rocket Richard and the the Pearson Award as well, which I think is basically the. Oh no, that's the Ted Lindsay. What's the Pearson? Do you know? Uh, I think wasn't the one to be Pearson with the Ted oh, Lindsay? Oh, it is the Ted Lindsay. Yeah. Okay, I just looked this up. Yeah, it was it's the same award. Yeah. 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 So so that's also the the uh, most astounding player, but voted by the players or the NHLPA. So, Which um, I would argue is more important than yeah. the media members, to be honest. And because says, you're being voted on by your peers, right? I know Connor McDavid had an incredible season last year, and he had an incredible season last year, but that speaks volumes to the fact, because you're going to expect that it's going to be McDavid's award for the next couple of years now. Um, assuming, like, you know, even maybe Connor Bedard gets in there a couple times, but... Um, you're going to assume that it's a ward to lose now. But Austin Matthews is pretty damn close there. Um, so, um, so yeah, there, there's that to, to work with. Um, Austin Matthews is also 25 years old, which means by the end of this contract, he's going to be 30. Um, and so ultimately, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs have Austin Matthews for his entire prime basically um and he he'll still be pretty good uh but it's more like how good patrick Kane or Sidney crosby is right now um instead of um instead of what they, both those players used to be um so so i, I guess arizona still has some some hope left that he'll eventually go there but it's going to be in uh five more years for a uh, five more year wait for them and it won't be in his prime but whatever um and who knows maybe arizona is good in five years um in any event um so uh does uh so i guess the first question here um that i have is does he deserve it um we already said that or i i mean this is a given that mcdavid should be making more money than austin matthews so we'll just say that uh but if you just forget about that, does he still deserve this much money? Well, uh, first off, uh, I'm going to give a tip of the hat to uh, Judd Moldaver, who's uh, Matthew's agent, uh, and uh, also mentioned that now Jeff Jackson has moved into a front office role with the Edmonton Oilers. He's also Connor McDavid's agent, oh, yeah, yeah. so Matthews and Connor McDavid alone are going to make him set very set for life. Yeah. Uh, even though he has already signed his fair share of contracts with other players yeah, like those two are going to be making him millions of dollars for years and years and years to come and they're just hitting their stride right now which is crazy when you think about it uh, yeah. so Jet Moldaver low-key the MVP here because a he's getting his client a bunch of money in a couple of years he's gonna do it again when Connor McDavid uh, is set to uh hit uh, the open market it's also interesting because Jeff Jackson and Judd Moldaver work for the same organization. So I'm interested uh, to see how that conversation goes in the Oilers front office. <laughs> just yeah. like, hey, buddy, do you mind just like a 1% discount uh, mm -hmm. to keep our boy here? And like, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. sure. And just just give us uh, some uh, sponsorship deals and we're good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, getting away from that, because uh, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid are connected in a different way. Um, Austin Matthews, is not going to be the highest paid player for long, and we know that. Uh, people forget that this year Nathan McKinnon's contract kicks in, so technically he is the highest paid player in the league today. Uh, that will change when Matthew's contract kicks in next year. And then in a couple of years down the line, as you mentioned, Brett, when Connor McDavid is due for his next contract, he's probably going to get at least $15 million, I think is a good estimate. And maybe Dreisaitl gets paid even more than Matthews before yeah. then, because in two years he hits the open market and he's also a very good player. Uh, so with all that being said, I don't think Austin Matthews really cares if he's the highest paid player in the league. All he probably cares about and all his agent cares about is the cap is going to go up. It's going to go up by a lot. So why should I take a pay, check, uh, a pay cut uh, when I can get my money uh, now and for the foreseeable future? This guy is getting a four-year deal. He's going to be 31 when it ends, and he's probably still going to have some good prime years left in the tank where he can sign another four-year deal and get just as much as he's about to make, maybe 
even closer to $15 million at that point. So Austin Matthews is really playing the market very well. And the Maple Leafs don't care because they got him for another four yeah. years. And this is a big statement for a group that, you know, everyone's, like you said, fearing the core four is going to break up. And eventually they will because mm. they can't keep them all. And nice a favorable team because there's only so much money to go around. But I think Austin Matthews, out of that group, losing him would be the worst because while it is tough to replace Willie Nylander, while it is tough to replace Mitch Marner, and we'll get to that later, uh, Austin Matthews, I think, is the toughest guy out of all of them to replace. When you look at the start of the 2019-2020 season, since then, Austin Matthews has scored 137 even-strength goals. That's 17 more than Connor McDavid. And yes, that's good enough for first overall in the NHL. So he's an even strength goal scoring machine. Also has the same amount of power play goals as McDavid in that stretch with 51, even though McDavid has a crap ton more of assists, which means he has a crap ton more points than Austin Matthews in that stretch. Uh, but Austin Matthews is the leading goal scorer with 188 since the start of the 2019-20 campaign. His face-off win percentage in that time is 54.1%. So you're getting an elite number one center on top of that. He's a shot generator, 1,187 shots. The only guy who has more shots in that span is Nathan McKinnon, and it's only by two, a measly two shots. Uh, Austin Matthews has 35 game-winning goals in that span. That's tied with David Pasternak for third in that span. Uh, out of that uh, total, he's also managed to chip in four OT winners. Um, just all around, this guy shoots, he scores, he's a guy that holds his own defensively. And like you said, Brett, you know, he's entering his mid-20s and there's still a lot of hockey left in the tank. And if you call 40 goals and 85 points a down year, well, yeah. shoot, you've uh, you've really failed as a GM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's not a bad down year to have. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, it's, I, I felt, I felt. In the grand scheme of things, it's not yeah. too bad. I, I think the Leafs are actually going to profit because as the money starts to go up, as the cap starts to go up, and players start to get more, you'll start to see Matthews probably on the outside of like the top five highest paid players, and I think that's right around the benchmark of where he should be in terms of the food chain of highest paid players. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's weird. I felt weird even saying that he had a down year when it's like yeah, if he was a point per game player, he was still good. But it, it did feel kind of feel like it's like oh right, he's not as good as he was last year. So that's yeah, because he got yeah. sixty plus goals. Yeah. Like who does that? <laughs> right. It's tough to top that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like saying like yeah, the Bruins are destined to have a down year. But that's only because they had the best regular season. Of all time, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, they were crushed by yeah. twenty points. They still got one hundred and ten points. Right, right. It's like, point. oh, they still made the playoffs. Or, yeah, it's like it's a, it's they're a still downer. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so there is that element too. But um, yeah, I think um, I think that that makes sense. Uh, this kind of this next question kind of goes hand in hand about like what do the Leafs do now? Was the like should the Leafs have done it? And you kind of already answered that um, already, but. Uh, yeah, I think it, it is funny too because you were mentioning how like, or, like as soon as the Leafs got eliminated from the playoffs, you were saying like, trade Matthews, trade Marner, trade one of those guys, and um, and all that stuff. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Because I'm like, you can't just like, because like no matter what, you can never get as much of a return like you'll you'll never win an Austin Matthews trade if you're trading him away um and yeah they may eventually uh you know trade him if he starts to like falter a little bit uh sometime down the line but that's only because like they won this cup or something but and they just like don't care anymore or whatever but, well, and, yeah. and that's the other thing about yeah. the Austin Matthews thing, and, and sorry to interject, I'll no, keep it fine. quick here with this point, is I was for, first of all, we we were talking months ago about yeah. our Mount Rushmore of NHL players, uh, the yeah. tier list, right? And we were talking about guys that really excite us and mm. um, guys that are the most exciting to watch, mm. in period. And 
the reason why I was kind of him and on about Austin Matthews was his track record in the playoffs. Listen, yeah. just because you are on a team that has one of the worst track records in the playoffs since making it back there after what yeah. a 10 year layoff, for right. example, um, like that's not fair. First of all, like playoff success shouldn't determine what you're worth. Right. It might, it might determine and it might change how people perceive you as a player and where they rank in terms of like who's the best player today and they'll look at the championships but you look at if you're saying oh he shouldn't get paid because he hasn't won a stanley cup it's just like henrik lundquist never won a stanley cup yet he's one of the best goalies in the entire league of any era mm-hmm. and what like if we use that logic and it's just like, ah, he makes too much because he didn't win a cup. Yeah. He was one of the best goalies in his craft at that time. Cup success, playoff success, period, shouldn't matter in this situation of where you're going to get paid. Because at the end of the day, you look at what Pierre-Luc Dubois is making right now with the LA Kings, what he's about to make. You look at what McDavid's making right now. You look at what McKinnon's making right now. Braden Point, Rupe Hintz, Matt Barzell, Alex Barkov, right, right. Bo Horvat, their inconsistencies, their imperfections, at the same time what they bring to the table. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and saying, well, I'm not sure if I really want to pay this guy because you know he's, he's not winning enough. If you want flexibility down the middle and you want a legit number one, number two center, mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay the big bucks, period, to get a player of an all-star caliber and you'll probably not find one that's better at what he does at scoring goals at winning face-offs and is prime right now than Austin Matthews so why not keep this player yeah I okay so you kind of change your tune a little bit but it is kind of funny when you are because in that tier list in particular I guess this is consistent with your tier list because you had you put Connor McDavid one of one in the in your tier one list which is also pretty fair but you you were just saying like oh i don't care about your cups but then it's funny how you put austin matthews down when but solely because he hasn't had the playoff success but also Connor mcdavid hasn't really had the playoff success either yeah you're not wrong yep um and you know i guess there's like faults in both of my system and your system because yes i agree with you that austin matthews is um, like a tier just below Connor McDavid, but I didn't have him there um, when we did that episode purely because he hasn't had a cup or hasn't had a, a ton of playoff success. But uh, but yeah, you're right. Like it shouldn't matter if you're just going based off of skill alone. Austin Matthews is actually right up there with Connor McDavid and Kel McCarr um, yeah. and and Nathan McKinnon and, and um, it just so happens to be like all the best players just happen to have the M in there. Uh, at their last name. Um, I also find it very funny that um, there have only been three contracts with a AAV of 10 million or more with less than a seven year term. Uh, it was Austin Matthews, his current contract, yeah. Mitch Marner, his current contract, and Austin Matthews, his next contract. Yeah, yeah. All very recent and all Maple Leafs, and two of them are the same guy. And both have the last name of an M. Um, so, or uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to continue. You're right. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, yeah, I guess it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think as you were saying as well, it's like, yeah, I think, I think like, yeah, technically, like, this will mean that the Leafs won't be able to sign this, like, uh, like a defensive free agent. It doesn't free up a ton of room for them to, like, let's say Samsonoff or, um, Arden Jones, who I forgot they had, or Joseph Wall, or like any of these goalies, don't live up to, or like are are even like not even playable. Then yeah, it's like oh right, because Austin Matthews, you're, you're paying Austin Matthews this much money, but they've been like you know the Leafs have been having this cap situation for the last couple of years, and that's just the price of having these elite players like Marner, like Matthews, like Tavares, and I guess you can put in Nylander in there as well, but that's just that's Yeah, just look at Zach Hyman and yeah. the career that he's having in Edmonton yeah. right now. I'm sure the Leafs would love to keep him, yeah. but, you know, they only got so much money and so yeah. many guys to keep around, so uh, it's, yeah, that's true. It's, it's business. 
Yeah, it is business, but it's but like at the same time, like Zach Iman, I don't know how much of a success that was because like Edmonton has like two like they have a pretty similar cap situation as well with Drysdale and McDavid making a lot of money as well, and we're about to. Talk I would about argue those. theirs is worse compared yeah. to Toronto's, honestly. Yeah, but like it's definitely worth it because Drysdale and McDavid are yeah. the two best players in the league. I, mean, I guess you could make a case that Matthews and Marners are up there, um, but yeah, obviously McDavid is is the best. But, anyways, uh, yeah, I think it like yeah, I think it's like as we're saying, it's like yeah, it does kind of fuck up their cap situation, and as we're just saying, like they're going to have to probably trade William Nylander after this year, or uh, or they're just going to lose him for nothing. Because uh, Willie Nylander, in his own right, you know, he's good in his own way, uh, but it's it sounds like he he's thinking like, you know what, I like it's just a cap situation, it's just business being business, and um, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to get paid like that uh, because of uh, Marner, Tavares, and Matthews, and even like Morgan Riley. I know he's making seven point five million uh, for a few more years, but. It's still a lot of money uh, on your cap, or could hurt them long term. So, so this is like okay. So this is probably Nylander's last year. This is probably Tyler Bertuzzi's last year on the Leafs. This is also probably Max Domi's last year on the Leafs as well. So, so it, in a way, it kind of reminds me of what the Boston was doing last year, where like yeah, it was. Ultimately, we all knew that this was like Bergeron's final year. We all knew that this was very likely that it was going to be Krejci's last year, and so all the team, all the players on that team, were starting to like play better or just and like uh, and even like Sweeney goes out and gets Bertuzzi, goes out and gets Orloff, uh, just because he knew that this is the last time we're getting all these guys together in the same on the same team and. That could happen for the Leafs, of course. Like, Nylander's not going to retire. Bertuzzi's not going to retire. And same with Domi. But this this does, does feel like a little bit of a last dance type situation. Um, so I am curious to see what what happens with Toronto um, just from, from that angle. Um, yeah, so I guess that goes to my next question or leads into this next part of... Um, oh, and I guess to answer my own question, is this the right move for the Leafs? Yes, I think it is, because as we're saying, it's like, you're never going to win an Austin Matthews trade, um, <laughs> and, um, and like, Austin Matthews could, and if you do trade him, like, it's very possible that Austin Matthews will win a cup on that team. Um, and, you know, personally, I'm trying to talk unbiased, but... Personally, I would have loved to have Austin Matthews in an American market just because he's the best. Uh, other than Patrick Kane, Pat, I, I guess this is an aside. Um, it kind of stinks that Patrick Kane is the best American hockey player of all time. Um, but Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes are up there, and Jack Eichel now too. Uh, so it's like I'm rooting for those guys, and I want them in an American market. And it, just from a marketing sense, it makes more the both sense to have Austin Matthews in an American market, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so if this, the greatest American of all time might lead the Leafs to a cup, I'm like, alright, that that's pretty cool. It's like, the Leafs just needed an American to, to get them to win. That's going to be my spin zone if the Leafs do ever win the cup with Austin Matthews on their team. So, yes, I do agree that this is the right move for the Leafs. Um, it could be worse. He could be on the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sorry to add nightmare fuel. No, it's, it's actually kind of funny, too, because I um, when uh, when all when Bergeron was uh, retired, uh, Pete Blackburn, I think you know who he is, but he yeah. made this like Photoshop of Austin Matthews in a Boston Bruins uniform. And I was like, oh my God, like, let's do it. Let's do it. And now I'm even more sad because I realized that's not, that's not going to happen. Even in four years or five years. Yeah. And but, they, they, <laughs> the Bruins uh, would also have a problem affording him. And also I was uh, a pretty good roster. I mean, I can, I can wait five more years. Um, <laughs> 
I'll, I'll be okay with that. I can live. You're, 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 yeah. like, you're like the late nights, early 2000s yeah. Rangers that you're paying a lot of guys yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of money, yeah. but it doesn't translate into the playoff. You'll be, still be fine with that. He'll be cheap. And it's like, as I was just saying, it's like Sidney Crosby's still pretty good. Uh, Alex Ovechkin's yeah. still pretty good. It's like, yeah, I know he's not as good as he was on the Leafs, but yeah, whatever. I'll take him. You get Alex Ovechkin for one game, and he's one goal yeah. shy. And he breaks the record, and then he just retires. Yeah, but but like he's still good. It's not like uh, you know. Anyways, um, yeah, I I think it's a foregone conclusion, like you said, that the core four is no more. Yeah, uh, at least after this year. And yeah. the reason why I... I oh, well, said, actually, just because I, I think you are transitioning to the next question, so... Oh, but I don't man, think I, I actually... I don't think I actually said the question on the mic here, so... Okay, yeah, say it. What does this mean for Nylander and the Leafs? Okay, um... <laughs> it, I, I know that, um... The William Nylander, Mitch Marner, who do I keep situation is comparable to a 7-10 split in bowling. You can get the seven, you can get the ten, but you can't get them both. You're going to have to pick one. And um, similar to the Pavelski-Carlson situation with the Sharks in 2019, where the Sharks chose Carlson, uh, the Leafs are obviously going to be losing a very good player. And I think um, you kind of have to weigh the odds. On the one hand... I think you could get more in a return for Mitch Marner because he has two years yep. left on the seal compared to one. The The thing is he has a no-move clause and he can basically determine his own fate, so that's the downside. But in terms of who get you more in a trade, Mitch Marner, 100%. At the same time, I think Nylander is the guy in terms of just offense alone and beyond that, uh, playmaking abilities – uh, Mitch Marner is a superior player, and you probably would rather lose, lose Nylander than keep uh, and keep Marner because Mitch Marner is, in my opinion, the better player. Yeah. At the same time, we shouldn't discredit what Nylander has done. This is a guy that yeah. low-key has scored 40-plus goals in the past couple of years. Um, I, should know, I should mention, by the way, while everyone has been chirping Austin Matthews in Game 7s for uh, when the chips are down, not... Uh, Putting up and shut, uh, put up or shut up situations. Um, Matthews hasn't been able to deliver in a good chunk of them. Willie Nylander, over the past couple of playoff runs, has been their most consistent performer, and that can't be lost on people. Willie Nylander has really brought the past few playoffs, yeah, and I've yeah. been very impressed with his game. So it's it's a it's a bit of a coin flip right now. I would probably, tr- um, I, I I've, in fact. I probably risk losing Nylander for nothing. Uh, and yeah. I know a lot of people are in the position of, we can't lose someone for nothing, especially if they're very good. We could get yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a first-round pick for him. And, well, what are you going to do with that first-round pick? Trade away for another win-now guy? Like, right, right, right. You're killing me, Smalls. Um, the, the, thing, the thing is... Um, you look at guy. You look at teams like Colorado and Toronto, and it's pretty evident that they're will, they're willing to lose players for nothing because it would set their team back if they traded them away, and they're more content with uh, risking losing a player for nothing and getting a lot of memories. And if a guy like Willie Nealander heads off to another team, but hey, he won you a cup. I'm sure fans would be fine with that. Hmm. And even then, if it doesn't go down like that, you would hope that he gives you a chance to win a Stanley Cup with his solid performances. So I think one of Nylander or uh, Marner is going to lead this team, and they might not get uh, the return value that Leafs fans are hoping for. And to clear up my thought about dismantling the core four, I also want to emphasize that the Leafs aren't going to win a direct trade if they trade one of Mitch Marner or William Nylander. Because yeah. um, one of the two are not going to be here beyond the next year or two. Yeah. Um, if you go down that road, you're probably not going to win the trade itself. But with the cap space you require, if you're able to spend that wisely and get the players you need to win a Stanley Cup, in my opinion, uh, you could justify it. At the same time, fans might not forgive you. For example, yeah. the Edmonton Oilers trading Wayne Gretzky to the LA Kings. That was a big move for hockey. It revolutionized the sport, and it grew hockey in uh, 
you know, the West Coast. It grew up hockey in Texas, Arizona, and the in the California sections that uh, have really driven NHL revenues uh, since. Mm-hmm. Um, that that trade was monumental for hockey, but the Edmonton Oilers never forgave their owner Peter Pocklington for that. Yep, they haven't forgot. They haven't forgotten it. They haven't forgiven him yet. And what's funny is the Edmonton Oilers, a few years after Gretzky left, they won a cup without him. Yeah, yeah that's true. And Gretzky's Kings made it to the finals in '93, but lost, and that's the mm-hmm. only time to the finals. So he didn't give the. LA Kings is Stanley Cup and the Oilers won one after he left. Yep. People still are mad that Gretzky got traded to the Kings, even yep. though in terms of Stanley Cups, they beat the Kings in that span. Yeah, yeah. But the preceding years of failure after that Stanley Cup and the greatness that Gretzky provided, trading a guy like that is unforgivable. But I think NHL GMs are willing to put that all on the line if they know their team is that good and they can win a Stanley Cup, and they're just a missing piece or two here or there. And if they feel, you know, trading away a loyal member of their core is going to be able to, in a roundabout way, get some of those pieces, I think it's an acquisition worth making. So it's going to be a very tough spot for Brad for living to be in. I do not envy him for being in that position whatsoever. But I think it's pretty clear that uh, one of Nylander or Matthews in some way, shape, or or one of Nylander or Marner in some way, shape, or form is gone within the next year or two. How? I don't know. And it wouldn't surprise me if at the end of his contract, uh, John Tavares either takes a discount to stay or he's gone too. Yeah. Uh, Because they can't bring John John Tavares back at his current cap. It's impossible. Yeah. When you were mentioning Wayne Gretzky, I... um or the, that trade, I um, kind of, it reminded me of two situations. Uh, one was, uh, and like, you know, just the, like the playoff performance type stuff. Um, Cause uh, obviously it was a different situation, but it was as uh, bad because uh, Joe Thornton got trade traded uh, for the Bruins. And that was mostly just because of, um, uh, or like supposedly, um, I'm blank. I think it was Harry Sinden who traded him, um, uh, and he never lived it down. Um, and he was able to, um, and like the reasoning behind it was that um, Joe Thornton, like he felt that Joe Thornton was n- not good in the playoffs, and he just needed a scapegoat, so they just traded him away. And they, like, I think this is back when Jeremy Jacobs was even more cheap than he is right now, um, or before the salary cap situation. And um, this was when, uh, and they were thinking, like, oh, Joe Thornton's going to want more money than he deserves. And it's like, what has he done in the playoffs? And obviously that was the wrong move. However, like, the the Bruins, like, in a w- weird roundabout way, because Joe Thornton eventually did end up getting the Hart Trophy. He became a fixture in San Jose. I would love to still have Jumbo Joe Thornton. And I believe, yeah, the, the Bruins probably would have still won a cup in 2011 if they had kept him. However, I will say that what ended up happening was the following offseason, the Bruins had enough cap space to sign Mark Savard and Zdeno Chara. Unfortunately for Mark Savard, he ended up um, having his career cut short because of concussions, but he was very good when he was on the Bruins. And of course, Sedano Chara was a fixture as well in the Bruins system. So in a weird roundabout way, I don't think the Bruins would have won without Sedano Chara. Um, and however, like I still believe that we would have been able to keep Joe Thornton. It would have been a weird, like, it's a weird what-if situation, because what would have happened with uh, Patrice Bergeron? What would have happened with David Krejci? Uh, they probably would have very different careers um, if uh, that trade hadn't happened. But anyways, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. So that that was, like, a weird thing where it's, like, you shouldn't trade people based off of, like, their playoff performance, especially when the Bruins lost that series because Jose Theodore was incredible, that, that series. So Yeah, he was yeah. on one. And, and so it's like, and like Joe Thornton was like 22 at the time. So, uh, so like, even if you do trade Nylander or Mitchell Marner, like 
you're also, like, as I was just saying, you're never going to win an Austin Matthews trade. You're also never going to win a Mitch Marner trade or a Willie Nylander, which takes me to my next point, because the GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs is Brad Treliving. And last year, he traded Matthew Kachuk for Johnny Huberdeau, uh, Mackenzie Weger, and, um, and a first-round pick. Um, so, yeah, in a... In a sense, like, obviously, Jonathan Huberto was about equal to uh, Matthew Kachuk at that point in time. But I can guarantee you this is what Brad Living is always going to be known for. Unless he can <laughs> win a cup for Toronto is the guy who traded Matthew Kachuk. Um, and um, he'll never be able to live that down, even if the Leafs do win a cup um, under his under his reign. But... Um, but yeah, so it's like, you know, that's the other thing that you have to think about. Um, to answer this question, though, I think it's, like, I, I think, like, the the only way that you would trade Nylander or Tavares, I mean, ever, I guess, is if, like, let's say the Toronto Maple Leafs are dead last in their division, they have no shot at the playoffs, this is, like, the worst case scenario for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and, like, everyone is getting, like, just due to injuries. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's the only time you would ever trade those two guys. Um, yeah. And um, especially this year with Nylander, because he, you know, because it's like you can't really trade him because, um, or this year at least, because uh, you're going to need him in the playoffs, like you alluded to, because you're, you're planning on competing. And then it's like, okay, um, he's probably not going to resign again, but if, if they win the cup, then yeah, this is worth it. But if they don't do anything and they don't do anything yet again in the playoffs, yeah, the, the then everyone's going to be like playing like, uh, hindsight 2020 type of thing. It's like, why didn't you trade William Nylander when you had the chance? It's like, well, what, what do you want them to do? They're going to be competing for the playoffs and the cup. So so I, I, I think it's it, it's all dependent on that. I will say also that a lot of this does depend on if the Leafs do win the Cup or not. Because I could see a scenario where the if the Leafs win the Cup, then it's like, you know, we, we've seen it before with the Washington Capitals. The Tampa Bay Lightning have done the same type of thing with their Cup situation too. Is they just uh, keep their guys for long term that help them win the Cup even though they, it might not happen again, you know? So, um, so I could definitely see a scenario if the Leafs do win the cup. I know it's a crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. It might, uh, it, like health would freeze over, but, um, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, oh, right. The Capitals did that. The Lightning did that. And they don't really care if that about the future. They already have a cup. Well so I'll, I'll go I'll go a little bit further back. Uh, remember the Detroit Red Wings? Oh yeah, that's um, a good situation. They, they were known in the '90s yeah. as a team that had really good teams, but could never win the big yeah. one. And when they got to the finals, they got swept by yeah. New Jersey in '95. Yep. Yeah. And after their loss against Colorado, um, they decided to trade Paul Coffey, one of the highest scoring defensemen of any generation, like right up there in terms of total career points, mm. bounced around several different markets. But in terms of pure offensive defensemen, you look at the guys that he played with, uh, that guy is one story career. And a guy that I think most people look at it like, why why would you trade Paul Coffey? You know who they got in that trade? Brendan freaking Shanahan. And oh. they won three cups with him. That's crazy. So... At the end of the day, yeah. if you're getting the right guys to help you get yeah. over that elusive section of the mountain and make you kings of the hockey world, you don't care. Yep. Yeah. Hindsight, you're right, is 2020. Hindsight favors the Detroit Red Wings in that deal because Brendan Shanahan won three cups, yeah. including a victory over the Flyers, which Coffee ended up playing on that team mm -hmm. and uh, became the expense of the Red Wings' eventual success there. Yeah. And you, you look at several other countless examples yeah, of that. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, some, sometimes sometimes uh, if you slightly lose a hockey trade, 
it doesn't really matter if that allows you to get the pieces uh, to to win a Stanley Cup. You'll you'll take the bad hindsight. I, with the Matthew Kachuk situation, yeah. I I kind of give Brad for living a mulligan, even though the optics yeah. don't look good. Because a, it's been one season. B, it became very clear Matthew Kachuk wasn't going to play for the Calgary Flames again. As so yeah, fair. You're, you're making the most out of a bad situation. Yeah. And you get Jonathan Huberto, who's coming off and one a first of the round best pick, yeah. assist seasons in NHL history. And a first-round pick at that, too. Yeah, yeah no. exactly. Yeah, a I think... years down the road. Who knows how bad Florida can be? I, I think that... Yeah, no, I agree with that, too. I think it's just more... Like, I guess you're right. I was doing hindsight 2020 <laughs> in my own... Yeah, it, it, way, it works both but, ways, is yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. No, no, and that, that's a fair point. I do think that Huberto is going to bounce back as well, but... And, like, at the time, we all thought, like, oh, the the Flames fleeced Florida there. But, like, it turned out... Given it, the circumstances you know, yeah. where they were back to and were cornered, yeah. yeah, they fleeced them. Yeah, yeah. So so that is a good point there. I, I Okay, so I'll concede that. Uh, but, you know, at the same time... They could time, have done worse. Yeah. But at the same time, because hindsight is twenty twenty, it's like... That is now like the that was the key trade last year, last offseason. Yeah, without so, that hindsight, yeah. Matthew Kachuk goes to the finals yeah. in his first year. Right. The Flames don't make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Huberto's not the same player right, that right. we all thought he was going to be. That, yeah. That's a bad look for True Living. Yeah. But he's in that situation where yeah. it, if he's in that situation where he has to make a tough decision, he's not afraid to make a tough decision, yeah. first of all. And because if he that. can get you the guys that can help you win. Then at the end of the day, you have a pretty good guy in your corner yeah. um, making a tough trade, but he can profit from it. I mean, on the, if, I mean, I guess also just to play devil's advocate, I know we're still running long, and I, I, th- I thought that it was like, oh, we should get to the rapid fire, but uh, I just wanted to make a point, like, just to play devil's advocate here, like, a Trilliving still, like, yeah, he, he made a, a nice move there. But he still hired Daryl Sutter, and still like, yeah, he, you know, he the knew. Just have been very hit and miss. Like, and I, I, I think, I think uh, the Flames did improve solely, like, even though they didn't do a ton this offseason, but almost solely because they fired Sutter, um, and like, apparently, he just didn't get along with anyone, even when they were good last year. Um, but and the damage yeah. might be done too, because yeah. you know there might be a growing of number of players yeah. to Foley already being one of them right. that aren't going to be back. Yeah. And Lindholm, yeah. So yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I, I guess the reason why I was mentioning like the hindsight stuff too is like because I remember back when this is same situation or same team of uh, when Johnny Gaudreau ended up going to Columbus, there was a couple people saying like a couple pundits saying like. Why didn't they just trade Johnny Gaudreau? And I'm just like, Johnny Gaudreau was the main reason why they are even in the playoffs and like even like a like a cup contending team. So it's like it just um, so I guess like people kind of have those blinders where it's like they they were a cup contending team because they had Johnny Gaudreau because they had Matthew Kachuk who were doing really really well that year. So it's like why would you trade them? So anyways. That's kind of why I was saying it's like if you do trade one of those guys, then yeah, you could play like a hindsight is twenty twenty. And I guess to your point, that's like you just sh- shouldn't worry about that. Um, I had also said when I was talking about like cap situations because it wasn't just the Lightning and the um, Capitals who started to like pay their their core players for long term money past before their prime, but so did the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and the Los Angeles Kings as well. So, um, so it's like there is a history of this type of stuff happening. Is once a team wins the Stanley Cup, then they start to uh, pay all their players that got them there in the first place. But then it starts to screw them up in the long run. Um, speaking of which, uh, let's go to the rapid fire here because um, we're we kind of like talked about them throughout this. Um, well, actually, let me just get my timer set up here. Um, so uh, we had kind of been talking around them for the, this last hour or so. Um, oh, we're, we're actually at 44 minutes. Okay. Um, but uh, but uh, we uh, the Oilers also made a big move uh, the past couple of days um, where... Um, all right, starting timer now. Uh, Evan Bouchard, 
sign for two years, 3.9 million. I love this deal. Um, not only because it's like, I, I do like Evan Bouchard as a player, but I also think, um, like if you can get, that's very, very cheap for someone like that. And as we were mentioning before, like the Oilers, you know, they have a, a lot of money tied up to Connor McDavid and rightfully so. And same with Dry and rightfully so. They also have like Ryan Nugent Hopkins on a long-term deal worth $5 million. Same with Zach Hyman on a long-term deal. Um, I guess Evander Kane you could count as a long-term deal. He just has three more years left. Um, but like the bigger factor is like, oh, you have Darnell Nurse making $9.25 million for even more than five years. Um, and then you have Matthias Eichholm with $6 million for three more years. So the fact that you get Evan Bouchard, who's better than both of those guys, um, that's the only thing that kind of sucks about it. It's just the fact it's like, wait, why are you paying Darnell Moose that much? Moose, <laughs> Darnell Nurse, that much money. Um, last year, Evan Bouchard had 40 points in games. Um, he also had, uh, and of those 40 points, he um, he had 13 power play points. However, during playoffs, I think I had this number out here. He was, um, yeah, he had 17 points in 12 games in the playoffs. Um, so that's pretty good, I, I think. Uh, and uh, Yeah, me... it's a 116-point pace over an 82-game yeah. season. That's uh, underwhelming, honestly. It should be a lot higher. Yeah, but on the same token, it's like, he was very, very, very good in the playoffs, and if that's an indicator, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, so he's like, they they might do that. Um, they might he make him. Had, the... He also only had two even strength points in that yeah. run because fifteen of the seventeen were power yeah. play points, and everyone remembers regular season and playoffs. The Oilers uh, were a cheat code on the power yeah. play. Like so, good luck stopping them. Yeah, so so I think just the fact that like oh, the primary guy for the power play. Um, so yeah, the only thing that doesn't really make sense is like, yeah, they're probably still screwed, uh, cap wise in that situation. But at the same time, it's like, that's mostly just has to do with the fact that they have Darnell Nurse for a lot more money than they need. And they, they tied with, uh, they got him in a trade at home in a trade, but, uh, so that's, that's the only thing. But the fact that they could get Evan Bouchard, who is like phenomenal in the playoffs, um, you know, of course, like, you know, he has to be consistent now um, and continue that pace. But, like, just the fact that, like, that's like a godsend for the Edmonton Oilers in a Caps way. Because he could he could have demanded more money, but he didn't. So, so that's um, nice for them. Oh, and he'll get more money eventually. Yeah, we can be sure of it. Unless he doesn't pan out, I guess that's possible, too, if, if he's a dud all of a sudden. But... Um, the the yeah. other thing is that uh, his hits and block shots numbers are higher than we think. At 95 yeah. hits last year, 112 blocks the year prior. Um, so he's he's not afraid to to get in the hits and block shots department, which you would see. You know, most offensive players they'd be very offensively they'd be very offensive heavy and kind of disregard um, that that other side that uh, that physical aspect that you need to have as a reliable defenseman i also kind of wonder if he's been insulated a bit too much because believe it or not while he did uh have 40 points in 82 games and 43 in 81 the year prior to that his ice time went down from 1948 in all situations to 1831 even though his power play time shot up by almost a full minute. Mm. And in the playoffs, it was near four minutes, yep. which is crazy to think about. Um, and he got like 13 of his 40 points with the extra man. Uh, and imagine that would probably be higher if uh, Barry wasn't there for the full season as opposed to just like three quarters of it. Right. Um, I think when you look at the fact that out of all of the – Big name defenseman on Edmonton. Uh, if he's not getting uh, power play one ice time because Nurse is, he's going to be getting power play two. Uh, even the power play two unit for the Oilers is probably going to be stacked with yep. talent. Yep. And um, if he's on PP one, I think one of the reasons why his numbers might not be as staggering as some of the other Oilers is because they might load up on forwards there, which is a possibility. 
because they do have dry settle and like i said zach hyman and who knows the the connor brown experiment turns into uh quite the revelation but all things considered you're looking at a guy that's probably going to get upwards of 50 plus points consistently is going to be nearing 20 plus points on the power play and i think if you get him in all situations and he's defensively responsible if you bring him up to like 22 or 23 minutes he's doing this without averaging 20 minutes in a season yet imagine the type of damage he can do when he's entrusted in more five-on-five situations and more shorthanded situations like this is a guy that could be consistently one of the best point producers in the entire league under those standards yep so um i think there's still room to grow for bouchard and he's got plenty of years left ahead of him he's 23 years old currently he won't be 24 until november 20th so i really like this bargain deal Uh, it's going to benefit for the oilers it's going to benefit for the player i think and then as the cap goes up within the next two years um you're probably at least seeing six or seven million dollars next to his name yep yep um yeah if you're uh if you're doing fantasy hockey this year this is a guy who should be high up there of course you 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 want to get your yossi's your eric carlson's or kill mccarr's but, a guy in my fantasy league has yeah. Bouchard, in fact, and he's won championships um, oh. practically every year at this point. He didn't win it last year. Right. Uh, but he's keeping Evan Bouchard on his team because he really likes his upside, especially yeah. from last year's playoffs. Okay. Speaking of guys who have upside, um, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, he signs a deal. I think this was on the same day as Austin Matthews. So um, yeah. that day was the day for first overall picks to get paid although of course Alexis Lafreniere got paid less <laughs> significantly less than Austin Matthews but still not a bad deal Alexis Lafreniere gets paid uh, 2.3 million for two more years uh he's gonna be an RFA after this um yeah this is like you know I feel like Lafreniere is kind of like a weird case study because he got drafted in 2020 um and so his season got cut short and that was like prime uh, development time for him, so I I do wonder how much that has a factor of it. Uh, he has been kind of disappointing though, uh, thirty nine points in eighty one games last year. However, he only had fifteen minutes of ice time last year. Um, so and of course it's like when the Rangers did draft him because uh, of this weird situation because they were kind of a pretty good team still because um, they almost made the playoff before playoffs if the season continued to go like you could have made a case there but like because of the weird lottery rules they ended up getting or having a better chance of getting the first overall pick and they ended up doing that but um the uh yeah Lafreniere was was pretty good um but uh even still it's like oh right you have Chris Kreider you have Artemi Panarin you know of course you have Mika Zibinijad Vincent Trocek um and now they added Blake Wheeler. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think this is a nice deal for, you know, he doesn't have the COVID excuse anymore. I still think he could be a de- decent player. I just don't think we can expect him to be a point-per-game player like we once did. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I do like this deal. And, and, like, if he's, like, I think the key here is he needs to be on the power play. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. So I I am curious what they do because, yeah, it's it's just an interesting situation. Well, what's interesting about Alexis Lafreniere is he's he's been very opportunistic, I think more opportunistic than we give him credit for. In his rookie season, 12 goals in 56 games doesn't sound that sexy. But he only took 67 shots, so his shooting percentage was 17.9. His average ice time per game was 15, uh, was 13.53, so just a shed under 14 minutes. And his power play time on ice per game was a minute 16. So, yeah, yeah you're not expected to do much in those situations. But, you know, you, in the short ice time, he, he tried to make the most of it. And throughout that time, he didn't get a single power play goal. Uh, year two, 19 goals. Again, no power play goals, but he got 19 goals. And his shooting percentage was 17.4 because he only took 109 shots on the air. His average ice time per game that season improved by seven seconds to 14 minutes on the dot. And his power play time on ice average actually went down by five seconds to 111 per game. 
So, again, making the most out of his opportunities. Finally, actually scored three power play goals, not just one. He got three last year. Uh, 135 shots, 16 goals in 81 games. Again, not super sexy. The shooting percentage goes down. Um, But all things considered, you know, he's doing things to make himself relevant. If you're struggling to score goals, got to contribute in other ways. Making hits, blocking shots, making good defensive plays. His average ice time went up to 15-13, which is a minute 13 progression compared to his year two numbers. His average power play time, while it went up by only 12 seconds, that's still a 12-second improvement. Uh, He got rewarded for it, which was good. And he also got over 100 hits in back-to-back years. He had 108 as a sophomore, and he had 141 last year. So I think in time, under the right coaching system, because I think to an extent Gerard Gallant kind of hindered his development in terms of offense at least, um, maybe now that he has the defensive game down a little bit, maybe he gets more opportunities to excel and the Rangers are able to let him run the puck more on the power play because they do have the weapons to help him out. Yeah, I think it's it's more just, I, I just don't think the Rangers are necessarily utilizing him at, like they should. And like the reason why I mentioned like such the, the weird, weird, of how, weird way of the Rangers and how they got him it's like, yeah, it would have made sense. Like, let's say Arizona had gotten him. I feel like they would have developed him better because that's all they have. Whereas for the Rangers, there was more pressure for them to be good because they do have Panarin. They have Kreider uh, on the left side. Um, that's a lot of competition. Whereas if, like, Arizona or Buffalo at the time had him, it's like, oh, that I mean, I'm just thinking of, like, historically bad teams. So, sorry, Arizona fans. I know you're, you've been through a lot. But, um yeah, so like I, I, I feel like they could have developed him better because they that they they need him to be good. Um, whereas like the Rangers it's like, yeah, it would be nice if he's good, but they like he's always gonna be a depth player because he's at this moment that's just a lot of pressure to say like, Oh, you're competing with Chris Kreider, good luck, you know, so I think that's also part of it, too. Um, I think also the handling of the media market is an interesting yeah. thing because New York is a tough hockey market. Yeah. At the same time, he played in the Quebec League, and he was you know hyped as the next Sidney Crosby, played on Sidney Crosby's junior team, and had all this hype around him. So you would think, oh, you know, in those yeah. big situations, they don't phase him, really, so he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah and, and that was further from the truth. But I think it, it had a lot to do with the, like how the pandemic affected a lot of these players because I think if you mm-hmm. look back at the 2020 draft you're gonna see like oh right Quinton Byfield hasn't been as good as we thought he would be um although I think we always knew that was gonna take some time I'd have to look at like what that that draft year but I, I think you could say the same for a lot of these guys um really quick except for Tim Stutzla he's yeah Stutzla has been good and more Cider I think was that year too um nah I think it was the year before but yeah oh oh I'm thinking of uh Lucas Raymond um, yeah, yeah, no, he was 2020. Yeah, Marco um, Rossi as well got hit hard by COVID. As yeah, well. Marco Rossi's another one. I'm sure I'll I'll fig- figure that out. But last thing on our list here, and we have like one minute left, basically. Yeah. Uh, PWHL, uh, that's the Professional Women's Hockey League. They're about to have their draft um, in a few weeks. Uh, Steve mentioned this to me, and uh, now I know why. Because uh, Ottawa has a team. Uh, so. Too. And so Boston you got, does you too. Got representation. No, I know, but like I, I don't. I'm just wondering if you would have paid attention or let me know if if Ottawa wasn't one of the teams. Uh, I would have absolutely. Okay. It's, it's big for the sport. All right, fair, fair. Yeah, I, I, I kind of forgot about this. Maybe I didn't know, but the NWHL um, had disbanded um, a few mo- years ago. Um, and so now there's a new league here, uh, PWHL. It was always so confusing because I feel like there were like two women's leagues and it's just like, just make up your mind. Uh, it looks like I'm just reading their Wikipedia page here. There's six league owned teams. So that's pretty cool mm-hmm. too. Um, and there's going to be an original six again. Uh, so it's Montreal, Toronto, New York, and Boston. So four of the originals, the actual original six are there. But then uh, instead of um, Detroit and Chicago, it's Ottawa and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, 
Um, and it looks like the season's about to, it's going to start in January um, and run yeah. through late May. So it'll be around the same time as the NHL. Yeah, it, it's it's big because I yeah. feel like, you know, with women's hockey, Kendall Coyne, Schofield, the All-Star yeah. game. Uh, previous to that, Manone Rayom uh, playing in a preseason game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ailey Wickenheiser playing in uh, men's leagues in Scandinavia, Sweden, Finland, uh, during the later stages of her career. Uh, it, it goes to show you that there are a lot of very talented female athletes out there, especially in the sport of hockey. But we don't we we easily forget it, and we remember every four years. Wow, these women are very yeah. very good at playing yeah. hockey. But I, I just hate getting reminded that once every four years, it should be like a year long man. Yeah. These women are good, and I think a solid women's hockey league is. Uh, step in the right direction. It's a step that needs to be made to put this uh, uh, sport of women's hockey over the top. And I really hope it does well. I really do. And it continues to get bigger and bigger because it it could inspire generations of hockey fans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's also like what's interesting too, if you take, by the way, the time has passed, so I'll just, (laughs) we'll, we'll let, uh, we'll let that go. Um, I guess we're bending the rules here. Uh, but yeah, um, for yeah, I guess so. Um, but uh, yeah, my point was is like the women's World Cup. It's usually it's like the U.S. women's have been dominating the last couple of years. But this yeah. year, the U.S. women's they they lost out in like the semifinals or like mm-hmm. even something like uh, for basketball they have World Cup right now and. Um, the men's world cup and it used to be like all the best players were u.s players um u.s born players and now like the four best players in the nba like bar none are all europeans or one is african uh so um so it's like oh yeah like it's it's a good thing and like the or the the best baseball player right now is uh japanese uh, so it's like, it is kind of cool just from that standpoint too. It's like, oh, okay. So the more exposure, um, cause I feel like that, that was a bit, a lot of, lot to do with it where it's like, oh, that like basketball was exposed in Europe and a young Luka Doncic, a young, uh, Nikola Jokic, um, a young Joel Embiid and a young Giannis Antetokounmpo grew up watching the NBA and they wanted to be that. Um, so and, you know, a similar thing for the World Cup with the U.S. women's. It's like, oh, yeah, a lot of, like, they ended up losing this year primarily because a lot of the players grew up watching these players and, and wanted yeah, to be and them. the so, countries are catching up. It's yeah. not just the U.S. and yep. the Canada meeting in the finals every year. Yep. There are programs in Sweden and Finland, Switzerland, yep. that are slowly getting better and yep. are starting to overtake these big dogs that you would expect to be yep. in the finals every year. Right, no, that's a good point, too. It's like, I wouldn't be... Like, now it's been, like... It's been, like, the last 30 years that where the U.S. women's and the Canada women's, especially, have been dominating hockey, women's hockey. But, yeah, pretty soon it's going to be, like, the NBA or women's soccer, like I was just saying, so... Um, yeah, and I, yeah. I think I think as much as it is entertaining to watch Canada-U.S. go at it yeah. in a women's final, because it's developed so yeah. much, um, you know, high-octane pressure pack yeah. moment. Uh, it's almost kind of a buzzkill for the sport. It's just like, oh, Canada and U.S. the finals again. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Can't wait to watch this four years from now again. Right. I will say I like just bringing it back to current times. I do like that they have an original six type of thing because uh, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they're taking back from the NHL playbook, even though that was like 100 years ago. It's like, oh, okay. So they have six teams. Uh, we know that these six teams in particular care about their hockey. So it's like, oh, okay, like this, this kind of could work. Uh, cause Boston's are, Boston people are nuts about hockey. Minnesota's nuts about hockey. New York's nuts about hockey. And of course, Mon- you could have like picked any city, um, in Canada and they would go nuts as well. So, um, but of course, like Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa make a lot of sense as well. So I yeah. I was also looking at Ottawa sports history. Yeah. They got some random ass history. For example, yeah. they had a roller hockey team. I didn't know there was a professional men's roller hockey league, but there was. 
And Ottawa had a team for two seasons, and then they ceased to exist. Mm. They also had a National Lacrosse League team for three years. They left and haven't come back since. Mm. Uh, they've had like five baseball teams, one of which was a AAA affiliate for the longest time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they've had, you know, a couple of basketball teams. Their most famous is Carleton University, led by Dave Smart, that continued winning national titles every single year. And... Then you have, you know, ideas that have stood the test of time and developed fan bases that have lasted for decades, like the Canadian Football League, like the NHL's Ottawa Senators, like the OHL's 67s. -hmm. There have been sporting ideas that have really taken off and have stayed relevant. There have been others that had promise but didn't live up to the hype. I really hope this is one that gets here and stays here in Canada's capital. And likewise for the other five markets, because unfortunately not every idea is is an idea that uh, stands the test of time. The NHL has been able to do that. Hopefully the professional women's hockey league can do the same. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think the next step is just like, cause I would watch women's hockey, um, especially since there's a Boston team now, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know where I would watch it. So I think the next step is just like, make sure I get more exposure. Um, and, and yeah, try to, and, and, and the TV deal is yeah, absolutely going to be huge in yeah. this in terms of promoting the game. Like, yeah. that, they need to promote the sport, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, okay, so uh, that's about it. Um, I know we bended the rules there in our rapid fire, but still, we made it an hour, so it's not like, like our usual episode, so it's still pretty short comparatively. Um, Anyways, uh, you can find us on our upcoming episodes if you just subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also um, you can also uh, also uh, follow us on Twitter or X, I guess. Um, I still and, call it Twitter. Yeah, same. Um, and you uh, you can also I I think we still have a Facebook, although I just don't post the episodes there, but. Uh, but yeah, if you follow us on Twitter or uh, subscribe to us on our podcast, that's the way to go. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 378 of the Lace Up Podcast.